What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnsons, Jaw Raps, of course. We've got Jays. We got them for days. Josh, how you doing? Well, I have two World Cup semifinalists out in the group stage, so I'm trying to figure out what that equivalent is on an NCAA tournament bracket. Because it's not the same because they didn't even get out of the group stage, right? It's not like they lost in the round of 32. I don't. I I think I deserve more criticism than that. Did, am, I, did, am, I, am I making any sense? <laughs> did, 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 your, did your Final Four team even make the tournament? Did they lose in the first four? Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's it. Or I guess maybe first round, the actual you I, know, round of 64. I feel like on the equivalent of... Because right, what we're trying to quantify is how is just how off you were. Right, and, exactly. And and I don't think that... A couple things. One, I don't think the Final Four and the semifinal are, are equivalent when the games are... When one tournament has 32 teams and one tournament has 68. And there's group stages. And one is not single elimination until you get to the round mm-hmm. of 16. Right, so maybe right. the equivalent is Elite Eight in terms of semifinals of the World Cup versus you predicting a team to get to the Elite Eight. Um, or maybe not. Or I'm making too big a deal out of it and there's four teams in the semifinals of both tournaments and you could ju- it should just be the Final Four. But I think... I think first round... I think a first round exit is is a is about as close as we're gonna get. <laughs> I that I think I would agree with that. Either, either way, not good. No. Which two no. teams was it? Which two teams were? <laughs> was it? Which two teams were you so wrong about? Denmark and Belgium. Mm. See, see, the problem was those were the teams I picked to pull. Well, to a certain extent, particularly Denmark. I picked Denmark to pull the upset, mm-hmm. and then they didn't even get the opportunity to play the game in which they pulled the upset, which then changes the calculation on everything moving forward. Sure. Had they gotten there, I still feel okay about my predictions and think they could have made the semis had they reached the knockout stage, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. And Belgium just, well, Roma Lukaku should have scored three goals and he didn't. And everybody had Belgium going through, so I don't really feel bad. They're kind of like the one one or two seed that lost in the first round. That's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. That was a two fifteen kind of thing. I just went, well, so much for that. <laughs> Paint me a word picture of the U.S. versus the Dutch in college basketball context. See, I almost want to go so far as to say, okay, okay, I'll say two versus four in the, so what would that be? Elite eight? Yeah. Mm. So not not the... There is a a gap between the two, but it's not like you're talking about one of the four best teams where you certainly expect them to win. There's nothing entirely shocking about a four versus beating a two. That would be my, that would be my comparison. The gap is just not that big. There's a gap, but it's not a huge one. So, so why am I getting, like, I haven't heard anybody be that optimistic. Not a single person. Yeah. And. I don't really have an, an explanation for that. I mean, I've seen, I've heard something. I I just listened to a podcast in which 
they kind of agreed with my assessment on that. It's just not a it's not a great Dutch team. Okay. And this US, I mean, if you look at the where these players are playing, it's not it's not all that different. Okay. All right. I'll take it. And I will continue and I will just continue to say that this US team is better than people give them credit for from a player by player talent perspective. They seem to run out of gas. Yes. They seem to be they seem to be capable of handling anybody for 60 minutes. Precisely. It's the last it's the last 30 minutes I'm yep. a little concerned about. Yep. Bingo. All right then. All right then. I'm am I am I correct? I I saw something that suggested that if they win this game their quarterfinal game would probably be against a team that is lesser than the Dutch? Mm, no, they would be in trouble. This is the this is the one game that would not be a major upset after that. You're talking I believe it would be Argentina, probably. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Maybe no, it was you're... a different scenario. I saw like a group that included Saudi Arabia and Australia in it. In terms of who they would play in the semifinal in the in the quarterfinal. Australia would have to beat Argentina for that to happen. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. So and, uh, I, I don't, so, so I don't see that taking place. Gotcha. All right. So that's enough soccer. It's been yes. five minutes. That's enough soccer. Um, college I was basketball. really going for the college basketball angle on it. Well, then I will Then I will take the blame for taking over the reins there. Hey, um, no criticism from me. ACC Big Ten Challenge produced some quality basketball games last night. Um, the ACC won this challenge. I don't think we should we should overlook nope. that. Um, the two conferences split the games that we were about, were about to talk about with Indiana beating UNC, UNC and being the better basketball team for all forty minutes, and then Duke beating Ohio State eighty one to seventy two. So that's the the bulk of the conversation. But uh, the ACC did win the challenge, which is I don't think insignificant. Now. Anybody suggesting that the ACC is in the same stratosphere as a conference thus far as the ACC, that would be silly. But at the same time, they did win this challenge 8-6, to six, um, kind of on the fringe and the reasons that they won. Um, Notre Dame smoked Michigan State. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Miami beat Rutgers by 7. Um Clemson beat Penn State. Maryland beat up on Louisville. Poor Louisville. We might have to, like, at what point do we start talking about Louisville not winning a game this season? At what point do they have to get to before we're like, man, Louisville might go winless? I feel like we have to get to ACC play, right? That's what, That was my instinct is, and I certainly would not be surprised at all if they do find a way to win a couple ACC games at home. Mm-hmm. But, the question, I mean, right, if you get all the way through your non-conference schedule, which in theory include your most winnable games, now they also include some not-so-winnable games, right. but with the bad losses they've already had, yeah, you're getting to that point where there is no game you're looking at saying, I feel really good about Louisville's chances to win that game. That would be, so that would be my answer too. Fair. Um the, the the last edition of the ACC Big Ten Challenge, this is the mm-hmm. last year of it, um, the ACC goes out on a winning note and, and wins the the challenge all time thirteen eight and three. 
um, winning 13 of the, I guess that's what, 24 Big Ten ACC challenges. Um, and they they get one more in the final season. But let's talk some basketball games. Um, we'll start with Indiana and UNC. Indiana 77-65, the final score. Trace Jackson Davis, 21-10. and 10. Um, the, the, the Indiana backcourt was was really really spectacular Jalen Hutchfino had like 12 points in 17 seconds to start the game <laughs> yep. and then Xavier Johnson was really good the entire time he was on the floor um and I mean we can just start here did you ever think that UNC was winning this, this basketball game after about the first two minutes because I didn't no it was very much a how in the world are they still within single digits and right that and you said Indiana was the better team for all 40 minutes maybe there was that two minute stretch where they got it down to what was it seven and had the ball, mm, yeah. Where they they did put about two good minutes together there, <laughs> and, and I'm like, are they really going to make this competitive? And then mm. they most decidedly did not. But oh, this mm. game should have been a fifteen to twenty point win from start to finish. Oh yeah, the, there was a discrepancy in the in the number of fouls called, which I'm not all that interested in having that conversation. We can, but they, part of the reason they stayed in the game for as long as they did yep. was because they took 27 free throws, yep. um, got 20 points from the line. Other than that, it was it was pretty slim pickings for UNC offensively, 34% from the field. Um, Caleb Love and RJ, RJ Davis had their third straight game of taking more shots than combined than points they had combined, um, which is something I'm now officially monitoring. Um, um and what you get is a 77-65 win for Indiana. Every time that UNC knocked on the door and kind of got it, you know, in the second half, it got to seven a couple times. It got to eight, nine, ten a couple times. And Indiana would go on a four-point, uh, like a quick four-point run over, you know, 23 seconds to get it to back to 12, to get it back to 14. And they kind of kept them right there the entire second half every time UNC UNC could never hit that shot when they were down by eight to get it to six or get it to five. And in turn, Indiana was able to get two quick layups, get a turnover, whatever it might've been. And, um, and keep them at arm's length the, the whole time. Yeah. You needed the run and then the run. Right. Exactly. And North Carolina got a couple runs, but never, it was never right. You know, 12 2 or something and it was never an 8 2 followed by a 9 3 or something to actually get to make up that ground yeah mm-hmm. IU was in control from start to finish a couple turnovers in the first half too that was also one of the reasons UNC was able to hang around in addition mm-hmm. to the free throw line like you mentioned Indiana's defense is spectacular I feel like that really needs good. to that needs to be acknowledged that when you had really that kind good. of base that's a, that's a really good place to start from. Mm. And not to mention you have the best guy on the floor pretty much every right. night. And when you play defense that way, they really did. And I know, you know, Baycott had a little bit of foul trouble. He had some injury concerns, mm. was certainly not 100%. But they were so good defensively. And part of what they did for the most part was prevent the ball from going to Baycott, right? Mm-hmm. They kept North Carolina being a perimeter oriented team. And not a perimeter-oriented team in the sense of their guards are dictating the game, getting to the basket, getting good looks. It was just they kept taking shots because nothing else was happening and they weren't good shots. And, and, and Sorry, go ahead. My bad. And then also the, I mean, 
just the turnovers and bad decisions. You know, the ball was getting knocked out of their hands because Indiana's aggressive defense. Just, there was no rhythm or it seemed like any kind of organization to UNC's offense. And you just can't do that against a team as good as Indiana. And, and, and Caleb Love and RJ Davis, like they live to shoot the basketball. So if you make it a little difficult to get it to, to Baycott, mm-hmm. yep. right their their first instinct is to just shoot it. So when things get a little difficult, that's what they're going to fall back on. So getting, making it difficult to get it inside to Baycott. And, you know, maybe like you said, part of that is he was clearly nursing some sort of injury um, throughout the game, but, um, but it, it, it just looks like when those guys aren't making shots right now, Josh, it, it, it looks so difficult for yep. UNC offensively. Yep. And, 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 I, and like you said, Indiana deserves plenty of credit for that, but this isn't the first team that has made it look really difficult for UNC on offense when, when those guards aren't making shots. Um, And then on the other end of the floor, like UNC's defense has regressed to where it was before their run that they <clears throat> that at the end of last season. Yep. They're they're 294th in forcing turnovers. They're 222nd in three point defense. Um, they just they, they they don't do a ton to make you work offense uh, defensively right now. So they they just on both ends of the floor combined, they look like a team that shouldn't be the better team on the floor against a top ten team. In Bloomington, and I'm trying to, and I, you know, around here, both of us being in Indianapolis, rightfully so, there's a lot being made about Indiana really controlling this basketball game. Yep. And I'm trying to balance how big of a win it is for the program that has gone through some tough times the last 10 years or so. Um, Maybe not quite that long, the last eight years or so. Um, And balance that with, Nothing we've seen from North Carolina in the last week and a half suggests that they were going to go into this building in an absolutely elite environment uh, and and control this basketball game because yes. Indiana completely had right. They went into Xavier and won. We hadn't really seen it from Indiana yet, just because they hadn't played a team of this caliber yet. Um, I mean, maybe we can have the conversation that UNC is much closer to the category of Xavier mm-hmm. than any of the elite teams in the country right now. Um, but that was the only hesitation, right? I mean, yes, top 10 team, they'd taken care of business pretty much everywhere they had gone, but I would have been, I would have been surprised if North Carolina went in and looked like the better basketball team, which is something I think we're all trying to, um, recalibrate when we think about this basketball team right now, because they're just not very good right now on either end of the floor. And, um, I don't really know what the point is there other than, that's my point. Oh, is, I, I is, have a. Sorry, go, is I'm not entirely game. sure because I I didn't feel like Indiana played a perfect game. No, nope. um, I didn't feel like um, you know, I would still love the three point shot to be more of a weapon in their offense. Um, and would have loved to see them kind of put the clamps on this game earlier. Um. All of those things can be true, and it'd still be a really big win for the program. I am just I I, I left thinking how am I supposed to feel about this win? Because here in the state, we're, we know exactly how we're, we're supposed to feel, and that's completely valid. I'm just not sure what it actually means because I'm not sure how 
how good UNC is right now. And if you took the the name, like if you took the name off of their chest and the number away from their name, how different would it be? And of course, it, they do have that number next to their name, and they are North Carolina, so you can't take that away. But still, all of these things I've I was also wondering about as we as we move away from this game and kind of see where Indiana ends up in the national conversation. Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to get to because they're just the game itself i mean we pretty much summarized it that there isn't that much to say they were just better in every facet north carolina's offense is disjointed they didn't do enough to cause problems on defense so i started thinking about okay do i feel better about purdue or indiana at this point because those are clearly the top two teams in the big 10 so far from Mm. what we've seen and now they've both played enough quality opponents that right they're not just beating up on cupcakes you saw what purdue did in Portland, Indiana has wins over North Carolina and Xavier. And I still came away going, I want Purdue. Interesting. Specifically because, well, for two reasons. One, like you said, I expected Indiana to win this game. Indiana's going to win a lot of Big Ten games. They probably won't lose a game at home. Maybe one. Right? There are just going to be a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are not going to be able to win that game in that environment because Indiana's defense is that good and they're going to have the best player on the floor most of those games. And that building is just so difficult to yes. play in when, when they're when, good. Like right, when, exactly. Like, that's the first time in, I mean, when was the last time we saw a crowd like that that was that invested mm-hmm. in in a basketball game right. at Assembly Hall? It's right. It's been a while. Like that felt very, you know, Christian Watford over U, uh, over Kentucky-esque mm-hmm. yep. um, in terms of how important the game was to, to just the campus. Yep. But. It, it, yeah, if if they bring it like that for anybody that has a chance to win in that building, um, it's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah. So I came away with two things I want to throw at you as to why I still like Purdue better. Sure. The first is, and you mentioned the three-point line. Okay, so Indiana hit three three-pointers in this game. Now, mm-hmm. they didn't need to because they got to the basket just fine and because Trace Jackson Davis got to do basically whatever he wanted. So they created enough offense. Mm-hmm. They shot 50% from the field. It's not like they struggled mightily offensively. Sure. But two, at least two of those threes, if I'm remembering correctly, and I know one of Jalen Hood-Shafino's came off of this, came from North Carolina bringing a, I think at least one time it was Seth Trimble, bringing a guard down on the ball side to go double-team Trace Jackson Davis, or at least right put some sort of cheat down into the post and try and put a little more pressure on him when he had the ball. And then as a result, because there were two defenders on that side of the floor, that guard was also responsible for covering the whatever IU guard was on the three-point line and couldn't mm-hmm. get back in time. Mm-hmm. And I am almost positive it happened at least twice that resulted in made threes. And Indiana made three of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I still have the shooting concern. Nothing I saw in this game. I mean, they shot 23 of 13, 23%. I, I'm still not convinced you can win the Big Ten without being able to shoot the basketball from three. But the second part of this is I also came away thinking if I'm if I'm scheming against IU, I'm just going to let Trace Jackson Davis beat me. I'm going to let him play one-on-one. And if you can find ways to double, great. But to me, the difference is you got to take away the other guys. Like you mentioned, you know, Jalen Huchifino had a really good game. You can't Trey. let those guys combine for 34. Right. Those guards. And you go. And Trey Galloway, 45. Yeah, those right. three guys combined. Trey Galloway had a really good game, you know. Trace and race Thompson did not have a good game. It didn't matter because of these other guys. Right. But if you take away 
because I still I still think you can take away for the most part. And if, if you hold the if Jackson Davis goes for twenty five and you hold the rest of the team to forty, not everybody's going to be able to get to sixty five every game against IU, but you've got a real shot. Mm-hmm. And so, I I almost feel like North Carolina sort of went overboard trying to stop Trace Jackson Davis, which a you just can't do. You know, right, you can limit him, but you can't stop him because he's so good at so many different things in terms of just putting himself in positions to get buckets and rebounds and just cause havoc on the offensive end. Right. But also I I just I think you can I think there's a blueprint here to how to make this team look very similar to last season still. I don't come they're better because they're more experienced, because they added some other good players, right? That freshman class really showed out in this game. Well, a lot of other teams, this is kind of the year where they're turning over and don't have much experience. That's not the case with IU. There are all these reasons why they are clearly a better team than last year and a much better team. Mm. I still have the exact same questions, and I I haven't seen anything that makes me really hesitate about picking somebody else. And, you know, Illinois has been pretty good so far, too. I would pick Purdue at this moment in time. Mm. But the idea of Indiana not being the best team in the Big Ten, I still think that is a completely logical position to hold based on what we've seen. Because I just I watched this game and I, despite the win and how well they played, I went. I think there's, I was formulating a way to stop them that I feel like could have success. I think it, I'm ready to concede that Indiana is better than I thought they were going to be. Um, but at the same time, I think what you're getting at is is completely fair, and 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 this is why I, this is why I'm confused by, like like UNC having the start that they've had, I I just never thought there would be a world in which Indiana controls this basketball game on November thirtieth, mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely sure what it means because I'm not entirely sure how good North Carolina is. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I hesitate to be, cause everybody and their mother thinks I hate IU and I do hate IU. I'm not a fan of IU. Um, I don't hate IU. I just am a Butler grad. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, so I don't, I, like, I'm trying not to belittle the win because I, cause it's an important one. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I would still love for the three-point shot to be more of an, an emphasis in their offense. Um, because re- re- three of 13 is typically not good enough, right? Um, but at the same time, like, maybe it just doesn't matter. Maybe that Maybe that is why they end up losing the Big Ten, because... Right, Zach Eady is just that big, and they lose one of or both of the games to IU, and then there's a game that I mean, sorry to Purdue, Purdue. and mm-hmm. but I'm just like, and maybe part of it is I just don't that I don't have faith in any team other than Purdue being able to exploit it. Um, because yeah, I fair. think I think Purdue and IU are head and shoulders above everybody else. Um. Michigan, Michigan's been okay. 
they've had their moments, but I'm still not especially no. inspired by them. Um, Michigan State, I like. They they've had some really nice moments early in the season. They also got smoked by Notre Dame, and Madi Sissoka might have pulled the biggest like <laughs> gotcha because he's been pretty <laughs> pretty much non-existent since what he did in back-to-back games to Gonzaga's to Drew Timmy and, and Oscar Sheboy. Yeah. Um. And there's a conversation to be had that like if you take if you just look at only the times that those two big men were off the floor, that that's when Sissoko was, was his best in both games. Um, anyways, ricochet shots. So good. the point being is that I'm like, it might just end up not being necessary for mm-hmm. them to, it maybe at some point it's just, they're going to need to shoot the ball better to win four games and get to the final four, but maybe it just doesn't matter in the big 10 because Trace Jackson Davis is that good. And Xavier Johnson is, playing really well right now and those freshmen are going to continue to get even better Malik Renew off the bench is I think a nice surprise to even Mike Woodson in terms of the type of production he's getting from that guy off the mm-hmm. bench they're deep in a way that most big the big 10 big 10 teams aren't this year yep um so I think I can still have the same hesitations that I had in preseason while also recognizing they're better than I thought they were going to be um even without not shooting the ball especially well, and um, and it might not it might not matter in the Big Ten at least for them to to get a share of it. Maybe they maybe they win it, maybe they don't. But I don't think I think they can win like fourteen games in the conference without shooting it well. Oh, for sure, at yeah, least. And, and I'll finish with two thoughts. One, the other hesitation I have in terms of trying to figure out what this all means is. UNC is right up there if you want, you know, a team to come in to Assembly Hall to get a statement win against. Mm-hmm. Not only because they're not playing well, but because of the reality of what UNC's roster is. I was not surprised that Indiana's defense was able to throw those guards into chaos and it just sort of fell apart from there. Mm-hmm. Right? There is no plan B with North Carolina because plan A, plan B and plan C is guards shoot the ball a bunch at this point. Mm-hmm. So if you want a team to exploit the clear weaknesses North Carolina has, Indiana was perfectly set up to do that. Mm-hmm. That's Agreed. the other part of this for me that I'm, ju- I'm just leaning toward this says a lot more about where North Carolina is than where Indiana is. The second thing is I do agree with you that <laughs> if you're looking at, outside of Purdue, if you're looking at sort of holes to poke in the Big Ten, everybody else has some I mean, maybe you could argue Illinois doesn't have clear holes, but they've been just kind of fine so far. We, I feel like we need to still learn more about them when they – just more more data because that roster is so new. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, there are clear holes to poke in every single other team. And right, if your hole is, well, you might not score 75 points because you don't shoot the ball particularly well and you have one of the best three to five big men in the country and one of the best 10 players in the country – that's just not a bad place to start, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So that's where right. I have come around. Right. That I'm still not sold on the ceiling, but the floor is incredibly high because they're just not going to beat themselves. They're going to make you actually execute offensively for 40 minutes. They're going to make you guard Trace Jackson Davis, and most of the Big Ten is not going to be able to do that well enough. Agreed. Ohio State, Duke, 81-72, Duke, the final score. Um 
Ohio State threatened at times in the second half. Um, Kyle Filipowski, big and one late in the game to kind of reassert the the lead, and it never got all that close towards the very end in terms of with a couple minutes left. Um, Ohio State only being down like a possession. Um, Filipowski, 16 points to lead all all Blue Devil scores. Zach, uh, Zed Key had a good game, 21 oh. points on eight rebounds, three blocks, and seven of nine shooting. That's a really good night for Zed Key. Um, uh, Duke won the first half by 10 points. That was kind of where they, they made their lead um, and just kind of kept Ohio State at arm's length. If I said an eight-point win, I meant a nine-point win. That's the math. Um, uh, but 81 72 for the, for the blue devils. What say you? Yeah. I, Ohio state was definitely better in the second half. Mm-hmm. Just never put to, again, never put together that extended run to get within a possession or two. It was more kind of moving back and forth between eight and five. It felt like to mm-hmm. me and yeah. maybe even five to 10 is more accurate. Yeah. Zed key was really good. I'm a big fan of Zed keys. he, <laughs> He kept that team in the game. Justice Suing kind of popped up for a little bit there in the second half to make things at least somewhat interesting. Mm-hmm. They were just the second best team in a very hostile environment and, you know, showed up, played pretty well considering the circumstances. I I guess I kind of came away more impressed than disappointed in Ohio State. I thought it was a fine performance. It just wasn't good enough to beat Duke at Cameron Indoor, which, mm-hmm. you know... Most teams teams could say that. There's no shame in that. And from a Duke standpoint, I mean, you got good bench production, particularly in the first half. The ball movement was really good. Mm. There's still times when I feel like the offense is a little bit out of control. That's going to be, I think, one of my things with Duke this season is – do I do I ever really feel like Jeremy Roaches is is a really good floor general? Because sometimes I just scratch my head at things that happen on Duke offensive possessions. Mm-hmm. But like I said, their ball movement was really good in the first half. Kyle Filipowski has been fantastic so far. I mean, he had that. He had that. I think it maybe it was the the end one you were referencing where he had the the spin move that guys who are mm-hmm. seven feet tall just should not be able to do. <laughs> yeah. And the other part of this is if they can finally sort of get, and also, you know, Tyrese Proctor had a good game. I've talked about how big of a fan I am of his. If they can get the rest of these guys going, Whitehead, Mitchell, I mean, Lively had 11 and five. He was better in this game. But if they can find a way to consistent, right, elevate the rest of these guys who are supposed to be the best players on this team, <laughs> they all of a sudden become really, really interesting to me because the foundation is already a very good team. Mm. What needs to, they need to find a way to balance this out a little bit more. And, you know, the top two recruits in the country need to eventually work their way up to looking something more like that because they mm. haven't been anything close so far. But you have Jeremy Roach and Filipowski and Proctor and Ryan Young, who's been good, that. You're still you still very feel very confident about Duke's ability to beat good teams at at least at home, mm-hmm. and so to me this is a I sort of just came away wondering what exactly is this team's ceiling because if it all comes together they could be awfully good 
it needs to actually all come together and you need to get the production you were expecting out of these high profile freshmen that outside of Filipowski haven't and you know Mark Mitchell's had some moments but mm-hmm. generally it's right it's not necessarily all their fault they're coming coming off of injuries trying to work their way back they haven't been 100 percent from the get-go ready to start so it might just take some time but that's my big question for Duke is do we ever see a different version of this team or is this just more or less the team that they're going to be this season I I think I see when I watch Duke play, I see a little bit of what they could be at all in all areas mm-hmm. throughout the game. Yeah. Right. I see how much sense on paper Kyle Filipowski makes next to Derek Lively. The fact that those two guys can play on the floor together. It's by far their most frequent lineup. Um, I think like over the last five games, like 21% of their, uh, of their minutes has been that lineup. Um, that starting lineup that has both he and um, that has both he and um, Filipowski in it, along with Mark Mitchell, Tyrese Proctor, and Jeremy Roach, twenty one percent of their minutes, and then the next closest is is eight percent of their minutes. So, like, I see how that makes sense. Filipowski is the best player on this team. We'll see if that changes. If that does change, Duke is really, really spectacular. Right, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's good enough that he can be the best player on your team. I don't have an issue with that. Um, but I can see that. I, I'm actually going to push back on you a little bit with Jeremy Roach. I thought he was pretty good in the game. I think he makes a lot of the right passes. And there were a couple times where he made, like he had a tough pull-up jumper late at one point in the second half that um, when Ohio State was kind of in that 6-7 point range again, um he 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 che- he's clearly not as good as some of the other veteran guards we've seen lead duke the last you know 6 or 7 years um but i think he's stepping up to the plate when it comes mm-hmm. to being the the veteran voice on the floor Cer- certainly he has his shortcomings and there are other things that i think will will help um you know things like Derek Whitehead really getting into a rhythm this team still desperately needs somebody who yep. can just hand them the ball and hey, even if it's a contested six, you know, thirteen foot jump shot, I you're six eight and you're athletic and that's at the very least we know you're gonna be able to see the rim, right? Yep. Um that's that's something I'm still I, I I that's I think would unlock a lot of things in terms of controlling the offense and Jeremy wrote you know, his decision-making having to be less difficult. And, but Derek Whitehead, he's still just, he's clearly a guy still coming back from injury. Um, he's played in, I think, four games at this point. Maybe it's five, but hasn't played more than 20 minutes yet. Um, just kind of looks like a guy still getting into the swing of things, playing at a level he's never played at before. Um, but I think you're right. I, I, I Maybe we'll never see all of these things come together by the time the season is over. Um, but you see in little spots, you see lively rolling to the rim, getting to, you know, just being getting to the rim, catching a lob, finishing a dunk. Um, Filipowski's skill as a big man is really impressive and um, NBA quality. As far as I'm concerned, Um, the guard play is good. Tyrese Proctor has been solid. Um, Derek Whitehead. I'd love, right. Like I said, I'd love for him to, to, just get more comfortable and kind of be that go-to wing scorer that we thought he he could be. Um, and then you got quality guys coming off the bench. Um, I mean, having Jacob Grandison coming off the bench is a pretty good place for your college basketball team to be. Um, so lots of pieces. I just hope at some point we see them 
be the team that you see flashes of throughout pretty much every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my concerns with Roach were more coming from the Kansas game. Sure. Okay. Then, not fair. not specifically out of this Ohio State game. It was more a moment or two where I went, "Oh, there it is again." But it's yeah, sure, a possession sure. or two. It hasn't been a consistent. And you know, granted, I haven't watched all that many Duke games outside of the big ones, so it hasn't been this consistent thing where he's always making terrible decisions. That's not what I was trying to imply. But I just want to see this a little bit more before I can sort of totally get the Kansas game out of my head. And again, that was game one with a bunch of new teammates. He has been better since then. He was good in this game. Definitely. Mm -hmm. The the other, Uh, I got one more thing I want to throw out there on this. Okay. And then I've got a couple of Ohio state things. And I'm curious about your thoughts on this too. You give me a choice between being John Shire and Hubert Davis right now. I want to be John Shire all day long. Interesting. Is it is it expectation based? No, it's it's potential based in the fact that you know he's coached however many games at this point of nine it looks like, mm-hmm. and this team has a bunch of new pieces. It's basically brand new, and right one of your your theoretically your best offensive player is not even 100% yet and hasn't played 20 minutes in a game. So are we talking this season specifically? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, okay. Just they could get, if this is the starting point, there are so many reasons to be optimistic about what Duke could become. And I would much rather be fighting that battle than trying to solve the same problems that you had for most of last season, which is what Hubert Davis is trying to do. You know, it's almost like you brought back pretty much the exact same team and you're having some of the same issues, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And this was my thing in all of preseason Yep. that that I understand why people are sure, more sure about UNC than they were about UCLA. But, I mean, I, I, I saw people saying that UNC had the chance to be historically good without making any any reference to the fact that they were pretty average and didn't beat anybody good yep. for the first three months of last season. Right. Um, so, but at the same time, it's UNC and you just went to a final four. So like into a national championship game. So you better be good Hubert Davis because you guys not being good is not a, is not acceptable. Um, from an expectation point, this from an expectation point, this season point of point of view, this season, I'd love to be John Shire. Right. I mean, that team is supposed to be good, right? They had the number, the, one and two in the recruiting yep. class, one, two, and four, right? Filipowski was like fourth. I think yeah, somewhere so, between four and seven, depending on the site. Yeah. Um, so of course the expectations are there for John Shire in the same way, but um, especially as a new coach, I'd love to, I mean, we just spent, I, we just spent five minutes, 15 minutes talking about Duke in a frame of reference in a, from a, a frame of view frame. Oh my goodness, Joshua. <laughs> form a sentence <laughs> from the point of view that there are a lot of we see a lot of the things that they could be mm-hmm. but also right there are injuries acclimation lots of new guys at unc it's what you guys did this last year let's hit the ground running why are we having so many hiccups um so i and i generally agree with you that just in general i think shire's job is an easier one at this point, much to his own doing, because he was the guy on the recruiting trail, clearly. And at that point, I mean, there's, they have the second recruiting class in the country. They continue to pick up good recruits, it seems like, every single day. Um, 
and and I'll be interested to see what UNC looks like after this crop of players that Hubert Davis has right now. So that's a different conversation for a different time. But um, I am certainly sleeping better right now if I'm John Shire than I'm than if I'm Hubert Davis. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, real quick before we move on to a couple other things. Um, I don't know who's making their teammates better for Ohio State right now. Um, they only had six assists in this game. Um, I like their guards. I like Sean McNeil. I like Justice Suing. I am Bruce Thornton. The the freshman was was pretty good in this game. Um, we've talked about likely before. Yep. They're all they're all quality college guards. They're all combo um, guards or shooting guards. Right. Right. And that's <laughs> yeah. the same guy. We we had this we had this question in preseason. It's still there now. Um they're three hundred and thirty-sixth in the country in assist rate, uh, you know, relative to how many field to their field goals, how many of their field goals are assisted on. Um there just doesn't seem to be a guy who's who is doing that for them and the, a lot of the best teams in the sport right now, you know exactly who's doing that for their team. And, um, you know, Zed Key was good. They they got a lot of really, they got a lot of really high quality college basketball players. Um, I'm just not sure if the pieces of that team will ever be, I, I'm not sure if the, the, the total of that team will ever be more than, than the sum of their parts, so to speak. Um, that's the only thing I have on, on Ohio state. I think it's a good team. I wouldn't be surprised if, they halfway through the big 10 schedule are a part of the conversation when it comes to who's winning that, that conference. I, I'm not going to bet on them to do that. I don't think they're, they're in the same category as Indiana and Purdue by any means, no. but um, that's a team that won't be fun to play. They'll win a lot of games in Columbus. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's a, it, they will be a fine team that, will make the tournament and do all of those things that we expect Ohio state to do every year, but their ceiling doesn't seem to be very high. Yeah. Cause the sum of the parts is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. To, to your point that <laughs> the question will be, can you get even more out of them? And that starts with right. Finding some better ball movement and somebody to really run a good offense. And it does not look like that players on the roster. Um, so there we go. ACC Big Ten Challenge goes the way of the ACC. Probably not what I would have expected at the same time, right? Indiana looked really good. Purdue went to Florida State and, and took care of business. Um, so that it wasn't Duke won at home, but it, you know, the, the top of the conference, you know, UNC lost to Indiana. So the, both of those teams couldn't. So not everybody at the top of those two conferences could have won, but um, Virginia went into Michigan and got a win. Survived. Uh, survived. Um, but that's, that's. I mean, they still needed 70 points to win the game, and they yep. got the 70 points. Um, but we can talk about that here in a second. Yeah. But um, still, obviously, I'm taking the Big Ten <laughs> over the ACC, but just so happened the ACC was the one to win. Uh, to win the challenge this time around. Okay, where would you like to go next? Um, we can go to the Big East. Do, do you want to finish up kind yeah. of the ACC Big Ten conversation yeah. real quick? Let's do um, that first. Okay. Um, I got things on both of the both games involving the Michigan schools uh, in the Big Ten. Um, we can start with UVA if you want to. Uh, Michigan, UVA in Ann Arbor, 70-68. to 68, Virginia escapes with a win. 
Um, shot the ball well, needed to because Hunter Dickinson was really good in this game. Um, Jed Howard had a pretty good game as well. Um, what say you about either this game or what you're taking away in terms of Virginia, whatever you've got? Yeah, Michigan really showed up, which was a nice change of pace. They haven't been particularly great so far, particularly that Arizona State game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Caden Shedrick needs to be <laughs> on the floor for Virginia. It was not a pretty sight when he was on the bench and Ben Vanderplas was trying to guard the middle of the floor mm-hmm. because that's not what Ben Vanderplas does. And that defense is built around not letting people get in there. <laughs> and so you kind of need the interior presence to anchor that whole defensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. But they were much better when Caden Shedrick was in was in the game and they had some size. The one thing I want to, and you know, this is one of those games where, okay, Michigan played well, their best players showed up. So that's a difficult game on the road that you're not stunned if somebody loses that game, right? There was, even if they had lost, it's not like I would have been worried. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest takeaway I had in terms of moving forward is just how comfortable Virginia looked playing a little bit faster and with a little bit more purpose offensively. And I haven't actually gone back to look at the tempo numbers and stuff like that. Of course, they're not they're not scoring 80 points a game here. Mm. But from a cre- being able to create good shots offensively, being able to play a little bit faster where you're not just sort of walking back up and down the court. I like what this team offers offensively. And right, a team that doesn't have a bunch of, as we've talked about, NBA, clear NBA guys to generate their own offense. This is very much sort of creating collectively as a unit, which is a dangerous proposition when you're not an offensive-based team. But the the bigger issues at this point, like you mentioned, are defensively. Not that they've been bad, but they haven't been anywhere near Virginia good. If they can get that right, they've got more. I feel like they have more than enough offense to really do some damage this season. I I continue to feel better and better about this team because I do believe they're going to figure things out defensively as the season progresses. So that was, that was my thing is I continue to be impressed with Virginia offensively and not just relying on, you know, shooting 40% from three or something, but their ability to just create shots, get to the basket, move the ball, all of those kind of things. And this is with Armand Franklin being one of six from the field, pretty Mm -hmm. much being non-existent offensively. Um, Their numbers at their numbers per Kempom look much closer they look like the numbers of the team that won the national championship now does this team have the creators offensively that that team had no i mean i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say that but they're 10th in effective field goal percentage they're fourth offensively in in adjusted offensive efficiency they're second in the country in three-point shooting um clearly clearly they have the horses to run with to to score with most teams to the extent that they'll need to. Um, when you shoot it like that, I mean, Reese Beekman, I'm all in on Reese Beekman. Um, I'm and he, on and he wasn't even 100%. He turned his right. ankle, it looked like, in this game. and was kind of hobbling around. I mean, he he was playing, but he was not 100%. And he had 18, 5, and 4 on 7 of 10 shooting. It's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. Um <laughs> The the thing that I will continue that I'm officially all in on is that this UVA team does the things that all the really scary UVA teams did. Yep. And not necessarily from on the floor, but 
you are never going to to get a poor performance from this Virginia team, right? Um, they just they just go in and either take care of business or they're going to give you everything they they've got to make you to to get you to win a basketball game. Yep. Um, they did it to Baylor. They did it to Illinois. They've done it to Michigan now, right? That that's three of their six wins, <laughs> and they just kind of they just kind of look like they're no fun to play against, and they've got guys that can be the guy on on different nights. Um, Kihei Clark is a quintessential college point guard. He had a really good game here. Got to the free throw line a bunch. Um, this is the like I every day that goes by and right UNC being not great helps. Um, but Duke doesn't win the ACC annually. That's not what they do. Um, they're going to lose games that they probably shouldn't. It, it, like this is this is the type of season where if you told me that at the end of the year Virginia is going to win this conference by three games, wouldn't be stunned. Mm-hmm. I guess it. You know, it could be three games. Yeah, I, I would not be. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think they're going to win a lot of conference games. Um, they're not going to be fun to play when you play the only two other good teams in this conference. Um, maybe Notre Dame is solid, but like not Virginia solid. Um, they're just good. They're, they're going to win a ton of games this year. They're so not fun to play and they have the talent and the offensive efficiency this year to, to win a, a, an alarming amount of games and be a, and be in the conversation for a one seed. Yep. And it's also nice to just back up what you did to put yourself in a position where you're a top five team in the country by then going and getting another good road win to your point about the consistency aspect of it, that, you know, it was a, it was a difficult game. They had to be up for it or they were going to lose and they delivered. Um, Michigan state got smoked by Notre Dame. Cormac Ryan. Yo, he, Cormac Ryan, he had 23 in the game. He had 20 in the first half. Yep. And Mike Bray after the game was like, that dude, like he, they made adjustments on him at halftime. He just kind of went and defended the other team's best perimeter player for the second half. And um, yeah, I, I know Michigan State had 24 at halftime and Cormac Ryan had 23. I don't remember. How, I think it was 42-24 at halftime. I think that's, I think it was an 18 point advantage. Yeah, 42-24. Um, yeah, and Ryan had 20 of those 42. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they tied the second half. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confused by Michigan State. I'm confused by Michigan State. Um, and maybe Notre Dame is just, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it right there and see how you respond to that. I'm confused by Michigan State. Like, like we went from like, this is, it's very, it's very Michigan state of them every time, like no expectations. They go and go toe to toe with Gonzaga and Kentucky. Then all of a sudden they're the 12th team in the country and you walk into South Bend and not for a single second. Do you have a chance to win that basketball game? Not for a single second. Uh, after, you know, the tip off. Right. Um, you, you really put in work for those three seconds at the tip off. But after that, they had no chance of winning the basketball game. I'm I'm super confused. Um, I don't know who the best player on this basketball team is. Um, Sissoko has been pretty much non-existent since his performances uh, in prime time to start the season. And I have a lot of the same questions I did last year. Yeah. Now. Should be acknowledged. They were missing important players in this game, particularly Malik Hall. Really call one to one this basketball game, though. right? And I am tending to put a little bit less emphasis on that than it seemed like the broadcast was. 
Mm-hmm. Now, would it make it more competitive? Yeah, it would be really nice if Michigan State had a full complement of players here because you got, you know, they're not the deepest team to begin with, although they do have multiple guys to contribute coming off the bench. But all of a sudden, you need every guy coming off your bench to be good because you don't have anybody else because you lost mm-hmm. two guys. But Malik, right, Malik Hall is not the kind of difference maker that's going to completely change the complexion of this game. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just going to be one of those things where kind of like last season and what Michigan State has been for the past few seasons generally, especially since Cassius Winston left, where there's going to be some head scratchers and, you know, turnovers, poor execution where Tom Izzo just wants to, and you know, granted they didn't turn the ball over in this game, but where Tom Izzo just wants to pull his hair out because the lack of attention to the detail isn't there. The guarding the three point line was the issue in this game. And there are going to be other games where they play incredibly inspired basketball and can go toe to toe with anybody in the country, depending on who shows up, what kind of level they execute at, what their guards do, what Madi Sissoko does, right? There are just all these very and so that was kind of going back to the sort of who is your who is your best player and the fact that that can be a bad thing. Or it can be a good thing if you if you trust that you're going to get somebody every single night. Mm-hmm. The flip side is if you don't have somebody that you can rely on and nobody shows up in a big way, you get stinkers like this. And so I think that, you know, and you could also argue, look, look at their schedule. They were bound to play a bad game and get just kind of beat by somebody because they didn't show up that day because of the grind that the schedule has been. And they, still it's a massive plus in my head where they're at considering the schedule they played, even though Gonzaga and Kentucky haven't exactly helped the the cases so far with what they've done. But yeah, I it's it's becoming clear they are not exactly the team it looked like they might be coming out of those two games. I think we were both hesitant to say that's who they are. And now it's clearly, they're much more closer, much closer to what they were last season. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure they've shown up really at all since they beat Kentucky. Yeah. It hasn't I mean, been, it hasn't been great. You beat Villanova by two right now. Villanova is bad. Yeah. Just straight up. Villanova is bad. And was that, was that game at Villanova? No, it was not. It was in, it was in, He's Lansing, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um, you lose to Alabama, fine, whatever. They they were okay. Beat in that UNC, game. but they they were they were fine. Um, you you only beat Oregon by four on a yep. neutral site. Oregon's bad too. Um, you you beat Portland by one. I mean, Tyler Robertson is my dude. Okay, no no disrespect to anybody who almost loses to loses to that guy. Um, but you you escape that win by that game with a one point win, and then get you get smoked by Notre Dame. So I'm a little. I'm a, I, like, I'm just not, I'm not sure. Um, like they could have relatively easily lost their last five. Yep. And maybe this is just a team that's going to play close games all season, right? Maybe they're, you know, in the games that they're, that they play well, you know, Michigan state, just the reality of the situation this year is that they're very rarely going to overwhelm another major conference team just because of the way that they play. And also talent wise, like, very there aren't going to be that many games especially against good teams where michigan state has the best player on the floor it's just not not the way that it's going to be um so maybe they they play you know 15 really close games in conference play and they 
win nine of them or lose and lose six of them and then lose a game where they're just not great and yep. then win a and game go where they're really Purdue. good. Right. So it seems like I guess what I'm getting at is it feels like it's going to be a very Michigan State season yep. based on what we've seen the last couple of years. Yep. Um, where you just wish you you're constantly wishing you were getting a little bit more from their guys, right? Talk about a sum of your parts thing. It just doesn't seem like the last couple of years, and really, like you said, since Winston left, that you're getting a ton more from that basketball team than you're expecting, and sometimes you're getting you're getting less, and that's just kind of the reality of the situation. They've played a t- like since they beat Northern Arizona, and you expect them to handle them, and they did. Um, that they've played a bunch of really close games. They've won some, they've lost some, and it just kind of feels like that's what we're going to get from Michigan State all season. Yeah, and the question is going to be what what does it look like come tournament time? Because I do think right. they're going to make the tournament, and this is a team that could easily find itself in the Elite Eight if you get the right stretch of you know three four games there. Could also be a team that loses in the first round in a game they should win. You just never really know until we get to March. <laughs> and if they lose three of their last five and have to win a game in the Big Ten tournament to make it in, or you know, they're a seven seed, look out because that's when Tom Izzo right. does his damage. Right. Um but um okay, that that officially wraps up. No, I got one more thing. Um if the if the season ends today, Zach E D is my national player of the year. I'm I don't I, I'm here I don't for really that. care. I don't really care if that's true. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I, that guy is that guy is unbelievable, <laughs> and like twenty four on eleven of fourteen shooting last night, twenty two point one, eleven point four, and two point one blocks per game. That's what we're averaging. He's top six in the country in both points and rebounds per game. Um, that team is that team is super disciplined and anchored by this guy that is just absolutely impossible to stop as long as the guards can get it into him while everybody's trying to triple team them. If those guards, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, um, if they just make enough, Mason Gillis, if they make enough shots to just make the other team think for a half a second that they should do something other than focus solely on Zach Eady, Purdue's going to win a ton of basketball games because if you just get it to him, for 30 minutes he's going to score the basketball at a 70% Mm -hmm. clip. Right. And he's going to, and I mean, the thing that stood out to me is the, the passing. Yeah. He's never right. And every, that was part of Trayvon Williams game was he's not necessarily going to go get you 20 every night, but he's mm-hmm. such a problem to deal with. And he's so good creating out of the post where, right. He moves the ball. He gets the ball into the right spot. So you can kind of run an offense through him without him taking all of these shots, which is mm-hmm. something that Oscar Sheboy is still working on that passing side of it. She was a bad passer right now. She she boy needs to be a better passer. Yeah, that that might be the one thing that would unlock Kentucky is if he was a better mm-hmm. passer. Sure. And Zach Eady came out here, and maybe it's just because you know he was playing twenty minutes a game or whatever, or it's not thirty plus like he is now. He he's doing all that stuff too, and he's yeah. seven four, and it's just easier for him to score the basketball because if he hits hook shots, you can't guard him. Right. <laughs> you know, and he's gonna and he's a monster rebounder, so he's gonna get six points a game off of offensive rebounds and. He's the roster is just a perfect match all the way around. Yeah, I I would probably have him as national player of the year too. I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I don't think that's a overreaction based on, now. It's a small sample size, but that's not an overreaction based on what we've seen. They've played seven games. He's been the Kim Palm MVP of all seven <laughs> games that they've played. Um, he is top one hundred in offensive rating. Ta, um, only top one hundred. Yeah, it's because he doesn't take any threes. 
Oh, right, right, right. I mean, okay, that's fair. like he's yeah, yeah. he's only one twenty fourth in effective field goal percentage because like oh. his because his effective field goal percentage is literally the same as his two point field goal percentage. Right. Um, like literally, he's six. He's shooting sixty four percent from two point field goal range. His his effective field goal percentage sixty four point one percent. It's yeah. literally all he does, right? Yeah. Um, but he's ninth in offensive rebounding percentage. Um, top eighty in block percentage. He's just doing everything, and it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if Travion Williams being on the roster last year kept Purdue from going to a Final Four. Like, like yeah. did we just not? And, and maybe it was the like maybe Jaden Ivey would never submit to that idea to an extent to get them to a Final Four. But they were trying to play but, that way, right? It, I, I like ten more minutes per game of yeah. Zach Eady, and we might be talking yep. about a Purdue Final Four appearance. Yeah. No, that's very um, fair. Yeah, and it's it's not a it's not a criticism of Travion no. Williams as in he wasn't good enough, but just right. This is what it could have been. If if Edie was this good last year too, right. and everything suggests he was, right? right? I mean, right. he was he was really really good last year and just as efficient. And um, and maybe his maybe he didn't have the conditioning last year. Maybe that changed. Um, or maybe it was just we out have this other really good basketball player in Travion Williams. Um, but it makes me wonder. Yeah. Uh, and and like I said, maybe the dynamic would never be right because Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are just good enough and just young enough and just not good enough right. for it to be a perfect marriage. Yeah. If that makes any yep. sense whatsoever. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Um, and they're also better shooters. That helps too. Yeah. It, it yes. accents his strengths and he makes their lives easier in a way he can't for Jaden Ivey. 100%. I'm all in on the Boilermakers. Oh, I yeah. love Matt Painter. Every time I cut up audio for Matt Painter from Matt Painter at the station, I'm like, I just love the way this guy talks. I love, you know, he he's like, I hate recruiting rankings. We did a crappy job getting Zach E to the basketball. Zach E got 25 <laughs> points on 11 of 14 shooting. Um, and you know, he'll just straight up be like, we like my guys were bad tonight, and it and that team is so good it just makes me it makes me smile because i'm i'm ready for zach Eady to just berate his team after <laughs> winning yet another basketball game yeah I it mean, is it is great he was going after Braden smith a couple times in that game i was flipping back yeah. and forth Bra- yeah. Braden smith took i think it was probably yeah not necessarily bad plays he made but just not facilitation decisions and running an offense just <laughs> learning some things because you know this is still within his first 10 he, games of college basketball he is the nick saban of college basketball <laughs> from a like Alabama's up 43 right. with three minutes left, Saban. Relax. Maybe <laughs> add a couple years to your life. Um, I think Painter might be yeah. in, a similar, in a similar situation. It's never good enough. Yeah. I mean, the other, um, the oh, other thing from this game, real quick, before we hop on. Yeah, sure. Matthew Cleveland had himself a game. Now, yeah. they are just bad, and I feel for him because he's probably going to put up really good numbers this season, and it's just not going to matter because, for whatever reason, they cannot figure this out. And look, maybe they turn this thing around dramatically and at least put themselves in a position where if they make a deep run in the AC to tournament, they can get in or I don't know. I still just have a hard time processing Leonard Hamilton's team has the record it does. I think mm. so highly of him in this program. But Matthew Cleveland is a player. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, and you know they've got some some eligibility stuff and guys sitting out because of that. There's some injuries. So hopefully they just get a little bit more complete from a personnel's perspective, but it's just, wow, one and eight. That is so weird to see next to Leonard Hamilton's name. Yep. Um, anyways, um, let's spend two and a half minutes on <laughs> Baylor and then get out of here. Yeah, um, that's all we need to spend. <laughs> Baylor's defense is bad. 
I like, and I don't especially care about anything else until they fix that. Trivia time. Where is Baylor ranked at Kim Palm def- in defensive efficiency? I'll say eighty third. You're close. Seventy seventh. Okay. Seventy seventh. That is that is not good. Um, they're three hundred fifty, three hundred thirty fifth in three point field goal defense, two hundred sixty third in effective field goal percentage. Um. And I need somebody to hang their hat on that under the floor. And until Jonathan Chamo Chachua comes back, there's nobody on this team really like like that's Flo Thamba's strength. But I never feel like 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 I just feel like Flo Thamba, that's Flo Thamba's strength because of his physical gifts, not because I'm actually all that afraid of you know. There's mm-hmm. there's a presence that some really elite defenders have, and even if Flo Thamba is gifted physically to be that kind of rebounder and shot blocker and shot alter around the rim. I just don't like, he doesn't command defensive yeah. respect in the way some other guys do. Right. Right. Um, he's so, so he's just one of those guys that, okay, you feel good about him guarding a Zach Eady or mm-hmm. whatever, right. Whatever elite big man you're talking about, but it's not a, Oh my gosh, I can't go into the paint because right. full of was there. Yeah. Right. So um, we can, uh, if you have other things to add, that's great for me until they are better defensively. Um, I, the guards can be as good offensively as they want to be, to be honest with you until someone stops anybody on the perimeter. I'm, I'm not all that interested in talking about Baylor as a national title contender. Yeah. Well, well, here's the other problem. You just mentioned two guys who don't guard the perimeter in Chamo Chacho and Thamba, right? Right. Getting Chamo Chachua back, I mean, maybe it helps to a certain extent. It's not solving the problem, though. The problem is they're not getting out to shooters, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you're talking about with all of the guards. I mean, I can't tell you how many wide-open threes Marquette got in this game. And you combine that with the fact that they turned the ball over a bazillion times. I think Marquette had 24 points off turnovers in the first half, if I remember correctly. Wow. <laughs> it Baylor was... had 20, 20 turnovers. Yeah. And they almost all were, and it was just, it wasn't like it was bad passes and people not catching the ball. It was just getting the ball taken from them. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to what you saw from North Carolina, where these aggressive defenses that just play harder go a long way to dictating the terms of a game. And if anybody knows how to do that, it's Shaka Smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who, I mean, it's the same thing from last season. Do they have enough offense? I'm almost wondering if losing Justin Lewis makes them a slightly better just because now you don't have one guy to focus on. Mm. Now they also need to, I mean, so far for the, and you know, they've had a couple of slip ups. It's not like they've been perfect so far, but from a scheming against them standpoint, if you're going to be, if you're going to struggle offensively, I would almost rather struggle without having the one guy you know has to go get you 20 every single game because that's how your offense works. And they have guys who can go get you 20, but I do think they're a little more balanced offensively. How good they are offensively, I'm not sure because you can't take anything away from this game because of what Baylor did didn't do defensively and the amount of turnovers. I mean, that was as easy a game from an offensive standpoint as Marquette's going to have all season, pretty much. And maybe, I mean, with the tempo they play at and the turnovers that they create, and maybe maybe that's just, I mean, eventually they're going to run into somebody that makes them score the basketball and right. they're going to lose because of it. Well, you're going to win plenty of games without having to do that. 
Right. And yeah. they're probably going to make the t- I, like right now I would bet on Marquette to yeah. make the tournament just Absolutely. because I think that is a good enough formula. And then they'll run into somebody who's good in the tournament and that'll make them score the basketball in the half court and they won't be able to do it and they'll lose and that'll be okay. But um, I think it's a quality basketball team that makes sense and the coach makes a lot of sense too. And um, all of these things, all of these things are good. And Shaka Smart being in at Marquette, I just continue to love it. Um, I just love, it yeah. just fits. He's yep. just not. He's just not a Texas guy. Nope. Just get him to the cold. Get him to this, you know, underrated city in Milwaukee, and just let him let him go to work. Um, and then at some point, he's gonna he's gonna find a diamond in the rough in terms of an offensive guy. Um, and they're gonna be really really not fun to play for the foreseeable future. Final thing I want to throw out there. Hit me. And I, th- I think this was part of the athletic article that got written after this game that I hadn't – I mean, we've sort of talked about it, but I've, I thought about it again in the context of this game. This idea that, you know, Shaka Smart is – from a resume standpoint, from a coach, you know, what he's done in his career, he's not a guy who's necessarily designed to have success with one-and-dones, mm. Right. He is a guy who builds a program year over year, who develops talent year over year, who gets the most out of guys who aren't already looking to go to the NBA. Yeah. That was not, it it was not, and is not the reality of being Texas's head men's basketball coach because Texas is going to get a five-star or two that's thinking one and done pretty much every single season, unless you're really messing up on the recruiting trail. Yeah. That's not, that's not Marquette. Right, you can you can absolutely go find the Marcus Howard of the world or that guy that's an all Big East performer, Justin Lewis, whoever it might be. But you also have the opportunity, and right, this team is incredibly young. It's not like this is the the ceiling or the what's the word I'm looking for? The climax of this group of players, the the, the apex mountain. Thank you. Yes, the it can get way better than even this because this team is still so young still and still really figuring all this out in you know year the beginning of year two together. That is where Shaka Smart is at his best. That is how he got VCU to a final four. And that is the kind of situation he has set up for himself in Marquette, which is another reason outside of just the personality fit that this is a perfect match. Um, Should we we lock in Marquette as the 2024, (laughs) as the 2024-25 Big East champions? Should we lock it in? See, I, I'm going to bet more on a on a tournament run than a Big East regular season title. I think. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, how silly of you to to, to vary from my predictions about the 2024-25 college <laughs> basketball season. Whatever, um, I'm not all that upset about it. Um, that's all I've got. You got anything else? Another big one tonight, Creighton, Texas. Looking forward to it. Yep, Creighton, Texas tonight. Gonzaga and Baylor tomorrow. Um, Big Ten basketball starting this weekend. Um, Pac-12 games as well. You got some ACC games as well. Um, uh, Illinois and Maryland play tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night being Friday night. Um, That's two teams that combined are 13 and one. We haven't talked a ton about Maryland. We'll probably have to at some point. Um, It's almost like Kevin Kevin, Willard's a good basketball coach. Kevin Willard. Shocking (laughs) that Kevin Willard has things rolling in uh, in College Park. Um, Elsewhere this weekend... Um, Indiana on the road at Rutgers. Trace Jackson Davis has never beaten Rutgers. Um, <laughs> that is a phenomenal if, stat. I love it. Um, and and he said that in a press conference last night. And I 
think he meant just like completely and not just at the rack. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they've really never beaten them, haven't beaten them since he got there. Um, so at the rack, that's never a fun place to play. Um, Houston plays St. Mary's, mm. um, which I am intrigued by, um, both in the context of the WCC for St. Mary's, but also uh, just to see Houston play play that basketball team. Um, Michigan and Kentucky on Sunday, and um, and those are really that's really most of the most of the really really good games until we talk to you again on Monday. Um, yeah, enjoy the weekend. More World Cup. Shouts to Team USA. We've already <laughs> talked about the World Cup. Don't you do not talk. I'm sorry for bringing it up, but we're not talking about soccer anymore on this podcast. Um, World Cup. I do enough college of that hoops, already. It's fine. NFL championship weekend in college football. It's a good sports weekend. Enjoy it. We'll be back on Monday. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. Check out the TikTok. Um, and, and the YouTube. Bite-sized, and the YouTube for bite-sized content of the Jays for Days podcast or the full video form if you're ever interested in seeing our faces that are definitely more well-suited for the audio medium. Um, please... <laughs> Thank you for hanging with us um, on the podcast today, um, and we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh, and we will see you.